When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is John Rain. Hello. Hi, Sophie. Hello. So, first of all, I'd like to know, what is your history with S-Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Well, my history with S-Club 7 is that I had no idea about them at all. I'm a 43-year-old man, and when they were at the height of their fame, I was aware of them in the charts every now and then. I worked in an office with quite a young gay guy who was really into them, and he would often sing their songs at work. But that was my only kind of um, uh, exposure to them. And in terms of this TV show, I had no idea it existed you were living in blissful ignorance, and I've spoiled it for I'm you. I'm sorry, yeah, the one I did know about, which at first I thought was this, and I was really excited about it, was the one with Christopher Lloyd as the teacher. <laughs> yeah, this is the S Club Juniors show, which I've yeah. never actually seen. I I think I only discovered it existed a few months ago via Wikipedia, but there mm. was one series of it, and it aired in... 2004 I think that sounds about right yeah by that point I was in high school rather than primary school so I think I kind of felt like I was probably a bit old for it sure so I think that's that's why I, I don't think I'm aware of that show I remember watching a show where it was them trying to find S Club Juniors like a sort of audition X Factor sort of show which I guess was a few years earlier, but then this fictional series with Christopher Lloyd, yeah. I have never seen before. I was, I just moved to Brighton. I was unemployed looking for a job. And so I saw a lot of daytime TV and kids TV. And I was just flicking on the TV one day and it was Christopher Lloyd talking to these kids. And it was a bit fame-esque <laughs> with like Dream Maker and all this kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, mm. what the fuck is Christopher Christopher Lee, uh, Christopher Lee, that'd be even worse. Christopher <laughs> Lloyd doing in this S Club show. So when you said, oh, we're going to do S Club in LA, I was thinking, well, that was in our beach and Christopher Lloyd was in it. So it'll be that, but no, it won't. Yeah, so de- yeah, definitely. I felt like I was too old for S Club when I was in high school. So mm. yeah, I, I, I don't blame you for not having seen this before. Yeah, I was a 23-year-old man in the year 2000 and... Uh, wasn't really tuning in for the old LA7. And now I've kind of I've shattered that for you by making yeah. you watch it. You have, and you've also made me join dots with something else, which I'll get to in a bit, because it's interesting. 
Hmm. So today we're talking about LA7 episode one. Hmm. It's called Into the Unknown and it aired on CBBC on the 6th of April in the year 2000. Uh, It's a new series. So we've got a new theme tune, which is Reach. They're all sort of dancing around on top of a building for some reason. Mm -hmm. It looks a bit less cheap than series one. Uh, the episode itself still looks quite cheap because they're mostly just sort of in the woods, aren't they? And yeah. they could be anywhere. They, they could have filmed it in the UK. It's impossible to tell, really. Mm, yeah. And all the Americans in it sound like they're not American, which is really odd. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. And it's often hard to kind of track these people down because, well, the one guy who comes up later who's telling them all about the woods, mm. had this is his only credit on IMDb. Yeah, and I think I tried to Google him. And <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to tell who's American, who's British. But mm. we start off with a dream sequence where the band are all winning Oscars. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. it's baffling for many reasons. First of all, they're dreaming that they're winning Oscars. But there's never been any mention in this show before of the band wanting to be actors. Mm. Like the whole point of this series is they want to be a successful pop group. Yeah. So I don't know why they're dreaming about winning Oscars at this point. It's because it's been written by Kim Fuller. Yeah. He's a terrible <laughs> writer. And mm-hmm. I might as well get into it now. Kim Fuller, obviously brother of Simon, who's the kind yeah. of um, the guru behind S Club. He was also behind Spice Girls, of course. Mm-hmm. And Kim Fuller wrote Spice World the Movie, which this feels exactly like Spice World the Movie in that no one's really got a character. It's full of weird scenes, odd jokes that don't work, and loads of references that sound like they've been written by a 50-year-old man. Like, for instance, <laughs> I have got an Oscar for playing James Bond. Now I am off to snog Britney Spears. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Kim Fuller is so down with the kids. Oh, it's a shame because he was like a proper comedy writer in the early 80s. He was like on Not the Nine O'Clock News, uh, Three of a Kind, The Lenny Henry Show, all these kind of things. And then just kind of went into this existence where he was just writing for his brother. Yeah, and I would say that Spice World has more character than this because oh. at least the Spice Girls already have personas yeah. Like, you know, they're quite basic, but it's like, that's the scary one. That's the posh one. Yeah. So you've got something to work towards. Whereas in S Club, their personalities vary from scene to scene, oh, like even from line to line, mm. really. But but even in Spice World, he fails to pad it out at all. Uh, and, and yeah, in this, no one's got a character. I kept confusing them. I mean, that might just be me because I don't know S Club 7. But And also the first scene, it doesn't help when you talk about budget is that they're all holding this Oscar that looks like they've got it in a shop that kind of sells Busby Teddies and chocolate knobs. So it's tiny plastic Oscar. It's just a really weird opening scene. And like, um, and then you get Rachel, is it Rachel Stevens? Yeah. She's like, oh, I was really worried about the shower scene, but Spielberg shot yeah. it in the best way. And I thought, does Kim Fuller know who Steven Spielberg is? He doesn't do like saucy sour shower scenes. Yeah, we're barely a minute in and Kim Fuller is already like, Oh, think about Rachel Stevens in the shower, kids. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> like, this is a running thing. And there's a tie-in with uh, one of your podcasts because, as you mentioned before, Bradley has won his Oscar for playing James Bond. That's right, because that happens all the time. 
Yeah, exactly. That's realistic. And I mean, yeah. there's been some talk in recent years, hasn't there, of perhaps someone playing Bond who isn't white. Mm. And Bradley was way ahead of the game. He was throwing yeah. his hat in the ring 20 years ago for this role. Idris who? Um, first of all, I'd like to thank my co-stars, the marvellous Leonardo DiCaprio. Hi, babe. And um, the gorgeous Brad Pitt, who are absolutely wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm chuffed. Uh, I'd like to thank the director for casting me as the new James Bond. And uh, I've got to say, I'm looking forward to the sequel where I get a chance to snog Britney Spears. Thank you very much. To be honest, I was a bit worried about the shower scenes, but Mr Spielberg shot them in the best possible taste. Thank you, Stevie. This is for you. My commiserations go to the other nominees, Gwyneth Paltrow, Julia Roberts, who just weren't quite good enough to win. Yeah, on your, I was just going to say, on your podcast, you always ask people at the end who should be the next Bond. Yeah. And I think Bradley from S Club 7 would be the ultimate curveball. I think it would. No one's said it yet either. I mean, I think upon seeing this, they will. Bradley for, for sure. Bond. Are we supposed to, again, is this just lazy Kim Fuller writing? Is it because they all wake up at the same time and they've all had the same dream and we kind of skip over that? Like, oh, we were all having the same dreams. Like, that's like a big deal. I'm not the CIA. I mean, not the CIA. Yeah, maybe the CIA. I don't know. Would come looking for them and take them to a lab and experiment on them for sharing brain spaces. Yeah, this is Kim Fuller. This sort of thing happens occasionally where <laughs> something happens and you think, oh, they've got supernatural abilities and then just mm. nothing comes of it. And it's like once every few episodes they have this telepathic connection for some reason. And yeah, they don't really do anything with it other than just, oh, we were all having the same dream again, as we do. It would have been quite useful at the end, actually, for them all to be telepathic. Yeah, it doesn't happen when it actually matters. If you're going to introduce something supernatural like that, you might want to follow it up later in the plot. Just a Yeah, thought. it was all a dream. And they're all kind of passed out on the side of the road looking What's like something terrible has happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I was driving past, I would be concerned. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, And it's the middle of the day as well. Like they've just stopped for a nap in the middle of the day collectively. Yeah. But again, this is Kim Fuller. It's like, well, what are they doing when they're having this dream? Are they, are they in a motel? Are they sat on the side of the road in the car? No, they're lying on the fucking floor in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> just think about what you're doing, Kim. He did this in Spice World, but a meatloaf just has a nap on the pavement. <laughs> I haven't watched Spice World in ages. I'm going to have to go back to that. I'll have to do a special or something because oh. it's it's so similar. There's tone. another connection as well. There's a uh, incidental music in this and Spice World the movie is Paul Hardcastle. So oh, it's like, right. It's okay. like it's like Kim and Paul Hardcastle live in Simon Fuller's basement or something, and he just throws down ideas and they have to write music and they shit out these scripts every few days it's unpleasant yeah and again spice world you know even though it's questionable hmm. you can kind of say oh you know the band were huge let's make a film a film starring the band whereas this hmm. s club series was like part of the launch of the band like the first series happened to launch them like they weren't big already Hmm. So it's just, it's like the opposite of Spice World in every way, but they've got this really similar tone that just doesn't make any sense. No, it's really odd because I'm guessing, like you say, because the budget's slightly bigger on this and they're in LA. So 
are they are they at this point because i don't know at this point were they big in america no they were never really that big in america they apparently they're known as a one-hit wonder over there like one of their Mm. songs was randomly a success and this tv show did air in the uk and in the us yeah and some people must have watched it but um it never really translated into them being a big success in America. This is the first big plot point of series two. Hannah needs the loo. Yeah. Uh, and they're in the middle of nowhere. She could just go anywhere, really, couldn't she, if they all yeah. just turned round? Mm-hmm. And they suddenly see this toilet. And a man appears by the side of the toilet. And then says, oh, you need you need to go to the toilet. It's going to cost you $50. And I might have loads of cameras in there as well. Really yeah, he weird. could be anyone. Also, that Hannah, she's got massive Liz Truss energy. Yeah. She's doing that kind of um, needing the toilet acting where you're yeah. sort of like running on the spot, holding your crotch, like no one actually does in real life, but she's getting very yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this random cowboy dude just steps out from behind this outhouse and says, all right, I'll, I think he says something like, since you're so nice. I'll let you have a wee for $20. <laughs> yeah, instead of 50 And at this point, I'd be like, no, you're all right, actually, because I think you will murder us all. <laughs> or at the very least, watch me urinate. <laughs> I've written down a poor man, Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some big vibes of the Big Lebowski was only a couple of years before this. So, yeah. So they kind of scrabble together some money so she mm. can use the toilet. She goes yeah. in and it's like the TARDIS because uh-huh. it's huge inside. Yeah. And I love how she sort of spins around and is like, wow, like it's some sort of magical world rather than like quite a tacky bathroom with swans on the wall. And then has a bath. Yeah, she's like full on having a bath washing and blow drying her hair yeah i wonder how she's probably in there for like two hours and they're all just sitting outside having to make conversation with this creepy man i mean at this point you'd think he's got somebody else in there who's just murdered Haller. he should really <laughs> yeah. be going to look for help rather than sitting here listening about him talk about how um it, he likes doesn't like movies he doesn't like pop music he likes the sound of the desert because it's nature's music <laughs> yeah and then he says, and this is something they did follow, his advice here. He says, I, I, my advice to you is you should get out of pop music and get into toilets. And I thought I thought that their careers did. Hey! <laughs> yeah, I'd like it if that's the direction this series went. Like if they were mm. like, you know what, he's right. Scrap the music. Let's start our own chain of public bathrooms. Mm. That would have been a twist. Yeah. And he says, you know, remember, my, you know, not everybody like, not everybody wants music, he says. But everybody needs to whiz. Yeah. yeah. And he, he says, um, everybody sure needs to whiz. And when he said mm. sure, I, I thought he was going to like say something else at first. Yeah. You want to make money? Get out of pop music. Get into bathrooms. I got a chain of bathrooms across every desert in this country. Arizona, Texas, Utah. Not everybody wants to listen to music. But everybody sure wants to take a whiz. Good thought, actually. Yeah. And he also says to them, um, he's talking about acting. Because, again, in this episode, it's a thing that the band wants to be actors, which has yeah. never come up before. Uh-huh. He says to them, I don't like acting. It don't seem real to me. Yeah. And I've written down, he must be watching LA7. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're not acting. They're giving you the truth, Sophie. And then when she comes out of the toilet, they decide that they're going to go to Ridgeback Woods 
they stop for some hijinks and uh, vlogging. They do vlogging a lot in this. Yeah, vlogging before it's time with a mm. little uh, chunky video camera. Yeah. But there's a weird bit where Tina sort of grabs a drink away from Hannah and mm. she says, we spent all that money on you emptying your bladder. We're not about to spend any more on filling it. And yeah. it took me about four goes to write down that line because it makes so little sense to me. Mm. I was like, is this is this English? I don't understand. It makes yeah. my brain hurt thinking what she means by that. What they mean is that because she's Liz Truss, I'm just going to call her, has basically <laughs> lost them all their money, they're going to deny her any sustenance. And they're going to do like yeah. that guy in Seven. They're going to keep her in bed for a year. So she has to gnaw off her own tongue by way of punishment for having to talk to that man about toilets. <laughs> She's never allowed to drink anything ever again. Never again. that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Paul pulls out this map and announces that they're near Ridgeback Woods. Mm. Uh, on the map, it says Ridgeback Woods in big letters with an exclamation mark. Yeah. Uh, and apparently Paul's great uncle's cousin's brother, twice removed, lives there. Okay, that's such, uh, a, such a, a really fucking desperate and awful hack-eyed joke. Because you know it's just setting <laughs> and, up a punchline and it's just terrible. Yeah, Hannah says, why was he twice removed? And John goes, because he re-offended. Yeah. Which seems a bit dark as well. <laughs> and it also doesn't make any sense. Man, as I said, because he was a predatory paedophile. <laughs> That's what I took from it. Mm, mm. So they decide to go and visit this distant relative of Paul because they're thinking maybe they can borrow some money from him. Uh, not Paul's keen to just see his family, but none of them care about that. They just mm. want to get their hands on some cash. They also ask two people how to get to Ridgebackwoods, and you get the one woman with the baby like, no, no one goes there and runs away. And then the other guy, who I'm not sure if he's American, and if he is, he's like from part of America where everyone sounds like they're not very American. He starts saying, you know, he basically just starts giving us the Blair Witch Project uh, because that had just happened and it was a big hit. So you had to yeah. parody it. Um, and Yeah, um, it was very current at the time. It was within, within a year. So yeah. they were very on the ball back then for a change compared to some of the other references. Yeah, and he does that joke, which sounds like it's been written by a hack-eyed comedy writer because he says, things happen to people in Ridge Backwards, especially camera crews. It's like, oh. oh. Yeah, they say like, oh, wobbly cameras, oh. Uh, bobble hats. Mm. I like as well how they're going up to these people in the street and saying, do you know how to get to Ridgeback Woods? When we've literally seen that they've got a map. Yeah. That's what started this whole thing off. So yeah. it's just just approaching these people with a camera as well. Like if someone came up to me and asked for directions with a camera, I'd be terrified. Yeah. But again, this, this, it doesn't this happen in Blair Witch? They're walking around the village interviewing all the town, interviewing people. So at I've this never point... I've seen it. What? So you're telling me, you're telling <laughs> me you've seen the S Club parody. You've not seen the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I feel like I've seen multiple parodies, like so much mm. so that I feel like I don't need to watch the film. Mm. I I should have watched it as research for this, really. But I, f I feel like it was one of those films that was, it was a huge thing at the time, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it was sort of not, it's not the sort of thing that had been done before with that, that shooting style. Mm. But it's not really something that people talk about much now and say, oh, you have to see the Blair Witch Project. No. 
It was just the first. It was the first big found footage thing of the time, and now there's yeah. about a million of those kind of films. Yeah, but I'm not a big horror film person anyway, in general. No. So that's probably also another reason. I haven't deliberately sort of said, well, I've seen the S Club version. I don't need to see the real one. I think you should start telling people that, to be honest, if it ever comes up. <laughs> you should say, I've seen the one written by Kim Fuller. <laughs> Superior. Hmm. So here we are on the trail of Paul's ancestors, that really famous family, the Catamoles. Come on, then. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. Could you tell us how to get to Ridgeback Woods? Ridgeback Woods? You don't want to be going up there. Why not? Because things happen to people in those woods. It's okay, honey. Like what? Like weird things. What sort of weird things? I don't rightly know, only I heard about noises, people disappearing, twigs in funny shapes, wobbly camera work. You mean it's haunted? Rucksacks with gooey stuff in them, bobble hats. Do you think she's trying to tell us something? Excuse me. Hiya, we're trying to find Ridgeback Woods. What, are you going to start going weird on us as well? You want to find Ridgeback Woods? That's what I just said, you hoof. There's something you need to know. So this guy is telling them a bit about the woods and he's saying, you know, oh, that apparently this documentary crew disappeared there and the only things left were the tapes from the film they were making and the tapes from the film the other people were making that they were looking for. (sighs) And Tina says that so they disappeared up their own film, which I don't get. (laughs) Uh, Again, it's just... This is the thing. When I watch Spice World and now I've watched this, you get to understand the rhythm of Kim Fuller's writing where you have bit, 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 joke. Bit, 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 joke. And then he tries to do that in literally every sentence and the joke's always telegraphed by about 50 miles. And when it arrives, it's done... I mean, it's not the fault of Spice Girls or S Club. They're not comedians or comedy actors. But they just die. They just ash falls out of their mouths as soon as they say it. And you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, please stop it. Just have them doing anything else. Just have them singing for half an hour. Just stop this, trying to make it the... What they're trying to do is make Hard Day's Night. That's what they tried to do with Spice World. That's what they're doing with this. Mm -hmm. You're with the band. You're spending time with these amazing, bubbly young people who are so funny and edgy. Well, not edgy. They're so funny and full of jokes and laughs and fun. And, uh, God, it's awful. You just think, no, you're with a load of young people who, you know, had moderate success in the charts, especially in America, and they're speaking words written by a very tired 50-plus-year-old writer who's clearly being shut in a shed until he finishes each script. And it's painful. Yeah, and in this show, he doesn't write every single episode, but he's always credited as the script editor. So even when he hasn't written it, you can still kind of tell, you know. And I like how in the credits of this one, it also says script editor Kim Fuller. So he wrote this one and he was also the script editor because that's a thing. There you go. And because this one's so tightly plotted as well, so I'm glad he was there to rein it in. (laughs) When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program. So even though they've been warned about all this stuff, the band obviously decide to go to Ridgeback Woods. Mm -hmm. They drive to a pretty random point in the woods where there's just (laughs) nothing. There's not even a road there. (laughs) Yeah. And Rachel says, oh, Paul, if this is where your relatives lived, they must have been trees. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately it goes wrong, doesn't it? Because they find that they've run out of petrol. So they're now stuck in the woods. Because he forgot to check the petrol. Yeah, and he tries to blame it on Joe as well, even though he was the one driving. Because he says, uh, I wasn't checking the petrol gauge, but Joe's really racist. So it's probably her fault. Yeah, Fall Else Fails, just blame Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because at first, Bradley is like, oh, Joe can fix the car, because it's been, this is actually a running character trait. Apparently, Joe is good with cars. Mm. Um, I don't know if this is based on any fact, but uh, in the context of this show, Joe is basically a mechanic, and Bradley thinks she can just sort of magic up petrol. He suggests she can change the engine to make it run on wood or leaves or mashed up mosquitoes. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a weird exchange where John says to Bradley, why do you never talk any sense? And Bradley goes, because it's too easy. And he looks like really furious for some reason. <laughs> He's just having a moment of realisation of what's going on um, <laughs> and what they're actually saying. I think Joe's supposed to be like a tomboy, isn't she? Because she's the cockney yeah. working class girl, but they don't dress her like a tomboy. So it's a bit odd. It's strange. They just kind of throw in every now and again that she can fix a car sometimes. But this does have my favourite line, though, where um, I think it's Rachel or Tina, one of the two, I can't remember. Basically, I can't tell them apart. Uh, she says, you've run out of petrol, you complete muffin. <laughs> I'm guessing they thought, can yeah. we say can we say Muppet? Is that too edgy for children's telly? <laughs> so we'll change it to muffin. Yeah, muffin comes up quite a lot. And um, weird. parp as well is like right. a substitute for shit, basically. Right. It's like the good place, but they haven't really put that much thought <laughs> into the swearing substitutes. It feels like a placeholder that you put in there. And then you're going to come back later and change it, but they haven't. Yeah, and the word hoof comes up as well. I think Joe says it in this scene because she says, I weren't the one driving your hoof. That's right, yeah. Uh... So they're all screaming at each other, mm. as per, mm. and Paul eventually bites the bullet and is like, I'm going to go off and look for some petrol. Rachel and Tina go with him. Um, and after they set off, Hannah is immediately like, do you think we'll ever see them again? Yeah. And for some reason, Bradley is very heartless in this episode. He says, I hope so. Paul owes me a fiver. Fiver. Again, I think that is a very, that's an annoying joke because a fiver just seems like it's too little money. Yeah. So I hope so. He owes me 20 quid. A fiver just seems like a really lazy bloke down the pub joke. That, you know, like the bloke in your office when you're in the pub and he'd, he'd say that and you'd all go, huh, yeah. Yeah, that pays for a quarter of a public bathroom visit. Uh, well, exactly. And, you know, uh, also when they say, will they ever be seen again? I wrote here, this is the dictionary definition of a group that would not be missed. <laughs> like, you know, in Alpha Papa, when when they go, for, they search for Michael for 45 minutes. Yeah. This this lot would be like 15 minutes. They find the car and be like, ah, they probably got eaten by wolves or something. It's fine. 
Just oh, that that could have been the news report at the end. Just they're they're missing, presumed dead. Yeah. We searched for an hour. What can you do? Yeah, I mean, even the well, we'll get there. Even the newscaster didn't really care about them. Didn't know who they were. Considering this is a show about them, do you think? Do you think this is one of the problems of this show is that seven is too much? Yeah, I don't know where this number came from when they were putting together this band. Yeah, because seven is a lot of people. <laughs> it's a lot of personalities to write when you're not very good at writing. Uh, four you can manage because you can have four distinct personalities. When you've got seven, you're going to have a couple and it plays out where they're just really vague and blank. Um, yeah, and a few of them have... It's like they decided on maybe one trait for each person. Yeah. But then they're after. But then every now and then they're like, ah, oh, we can just give that line to anyone. Like, yeah. you could quite easily just swap a load of the lines around and it wouldn't make any real difference. The only, the only problem I had in this episode, bearing in mind I know nothing about S Club 7, but I do know, is it Paul is the one who went on reality, who went on, um, was it daytime TV and admitted that he was really broken? Yes. And everyone made fun of him because he was slightly overweight, mm-hmm. uh, which was really horrible. So I spent the whole episode, every time he said something, just feeling really sad for him. He um, he left the band early right. and joined a sort of metal band. Oh, no. And then, yeah, years later, he was uh, he, he had to sell his Brit Award. That's or something it. Like that. that was it. Yeah. 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 And everyone took the mickey out of him. And I just felt really sorry for him because... You know, it's a really horrible, it's a shit business, especially when mm-hmm. you're in a boy, you know, not a boy band, a, a pop group like this. And um, yeah, yeah, so the whole episode, whenever he said anything, I just thought, oh, you should have asked for money off your uncle. He's looking good in this episode, though, because one thing between series one and two of this show, hmm. the band do look more attractive. I'm not sure. I think they've maybe been done up a little right. bit. Like they looked a bit more childish in series one. Mm. And now they're a bit more sort of bronzed and glamorous. And like in series one, I wouldn't have really said that Paul was particularly attractive, but he's mm. looking good in this. I didn't remember that from when I was a child. He's also got one of those hooped earrings midway through his ear that men had around this period. Yeah. Mm. I, I'm not sure what I think about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm undecided. Yeah. I wonder if he sold that as well. Oh. oh. They could have auctioned off props from this show. Well, I looked up what he did after, after the whole being on telly and everyone feeling sorry for him. He he joined with two others and, f- and formed S Club 3. And that's just yeah. even, that's even sadder. The student union circuit. Oh, that's so depressing. And then he left that band as well. <laughs> Who were the other two? Can I guess? Was it Tina and Bradley? Uh, initially, it was Joe and Bradley, and then when oh, Paul left, Tina replaced him. Right. Yeah, of course, Joe needs it. So, but yeah, uh, Paul was the one who left for some reason. He, he just loves leaving. I'm guessing it was incredibly depressing um, mm-hmm. to do a, a seven-piece pop group as a three-piece doing student unions. Oh, bless him! As I say, I felt sorry for him. Yeah, if he's listening, there's no malice there. I just felt sorry for you, Paul. Sorry. Mm. He. Uh, he can't read a map in this episode because the group who've gone to get oh. petrol pretty much immediately get lost. Yeah. And it starts getting dark. Meanwhile, the group who are back at the car, they've got the video camera out again because it's like the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. And they're talking about who they would eat first if they were a monster. Yeah. Uh, and jo- John says, Hannah for a starter, me for main course, which is logistically confusing. <laughs> Have you ever eaten yourself? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. 
He's also saying he would rather eat himself than go near Joe or Bradley. Yeah, I think that's a oral sex joke. <laughs> um, they've got a plan to ward off any monsters, though, haven't they, Sophie? Hmm. Um, yeah, like I said before, I've never seen the Blair Witch Project, <laughs> but I assume they don't burst into song at one point. They do, actually, yeah. <laughs> they sing this very song. <laughs> this sort of early 2000s, like, R&B speak singing thing. I have to confess at this point... I can't even tell you what song it was because I skipped it. Because even though this episode is 23 minutes long, it felt like a long 23 minutes. And when a song started that just sounded, like you say, really sleazy and R&B, I just thought, I'll just skip that. That's fine. Yeah, this song is called I'll Be There. It's a bit of a strange one because Tina isn't usually the lead singer, but she's the lead in this one. And she's kind of like speak singing the whole thing. And it's a weird choice for the first episode of the series as well, because, you know, they've got this second series, second album to promote. And this song, I looked it up and it's like the final song on the album. Why couldn't they do like a cover of Black Magic Woman and and have them being chased around the woods by a witch? Yeah, I feel like if they'd planned this better, they could have, you know, done a song about being scared in some way that could have just been slotted into here. (sighs) But there clearly wasn't that much thought put into it because the songs never really match up with what's going on, to be honest. Make it, I mean, just have some imagination, Kim Fuller. Make it a Scooby-Doo clone with Blair Witch. Have them running around the woods singing a fun song, being chased by what looks like a witch and turns out not to be a witch. Ha, ha, ha. Instead of, they're literally lying on a car, singing. Bradley's lying on top of the boot, and the other two are sitting in the car. Oh, God. Have some imagination for this thing. Yeah, there's a bit where Bradley's, like, standing on the car, sort of twerking. Yeah. It's it's a weird mix of stuff, this song, because there's shots of them, like, dancing around in the woods, smiling, like, cut in with shots of them shaking in fear and looking really scared it doesn't make any sense and and then i skip the song and then it immediately goes into the actual blair witch parody where they hear a voice calling them so they all run around with the camera in their face and lights in their face for ages yeah they all hear this noise and the group who were in the car decide to just run into the woods for some reason yeah yeah I mean, that's, I mean, I gotta be honest with you, Sophie, that's the point where I checked out. <laughs> <laughs> not, not any earlier than that. No, no, I was with it until that point, And then I checked out. Also, after the song's over, they all go to sleep for some reason. Yeah. I'm not sure why they're in a really scary situation, but they all go to sleep <laughs> and then they wake up screaming. And you can see the difference in commitment between the different band members because in the one group, Tina sort of goes, I just dreamt we were lost in the woods. And then in the other group, Hannah is full on shrieking. Like, I just dreamt we were lost in the woods. Like you can tell who's committing to the performance more. Yeah. Yeah. It's because Hannah's excited about opening pork markets in China. (laughs) So I'm saying she's Liz Truss. (laughs) (laughs) I just dreamt we were lost in the woods. So did I. I just dreamt we were lost in the woods. So did I. I don't know. It's nothing. Nothing doesn't make a noise like that. Well, maybe it's something then. Yeah, but what sort of something? It's probably a mouse. A mouse with big clumpy boots on? Oh, Paul, go and see what it is. I'm not going out there. John, go and see what it is. I'm not going out there. I 
It's coming nearer. It's getting nearer. You guys. <laughs> but yeah, they all hear a noise, don't they? And uh-huh. all kind of scatter and we get the, the wobbly camera effect. Yeah. There's someone approaching them with a torch. Yeah. Oh yeah, the two groups sort of collide, don't they? So there's they a reunion, yeah. but someone else is approaching in the distance, aren't they? Yeah, with a torch. And because uh, obviously they're all scared at this point because ghosts and witches infamously carry torches. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, it's the man from earlier who told them they shouldn't go in the woods. He said, I'm, I've come to check on yous. I mean, bearing in mind, he would have had no idea that they would have run out of petrol. He would have presumably kept walking for miles and miles and miles like if they'd have just driven with no incident. Yeah, it's very lucky that he showed up. Yeah, lucky for him they broke down and he was able to save them but they couldn't find bradley bradley's gone yeah i like how it takes them a while to notice because <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. too many of them seven's too much guys joe suddenly goes where's bradley hmm. i mean she would say that wouldn't she uh, but uh, he's in the boot and you know what's in the else is in the boot can of petrol who'd have thought it i mean that's what you do you fill up your what you do is you fill up your car with petrol and you also fill up the spare can that's how it works <laughs> And then when you run out of petrol, you don't check the boot no, at all. No, you walk into the woods on your own in the middle of California. Also, Bradley is missing for under a minute mm. and Rachel is full on crying. Mm. Well, because there's coyotes, there's wolves, there's murderers everywhere. He could have been killed. But no, he was in the boot. <laughs> Yeah, Bradley's got form for this because there was a, something in an episode ages ago where he was just sleeping in the boot of the car for no apparent reason. So maybe I guess maybe that's what he's been doing, unless he was just hiding. There's no explanation, really. He's just in the boot. There's not, no, unless it's some sort of dogging thing. I don't know. But we get a news report at this point uh. because apparently it's big news that this band went into the woods and survived the whole night. Yeah. And the newsreader... Oh, the word parp comes up at this point. The newsreader says, um, oh, you know, what they did, was it cool? Was it reckless? Or was it all parp? Because hmm. in this show, the word parp is inherently hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty funny, to be fair. I looked at this actor on IMDb, uh-huh. who's the news reporter, and uh, let, me t- let me tell you some of the titles <laughs> of the films he's been in. Go on. Forbidden Lust. Nice. Passionate Encounters. Nice. Sexual Impulse. Oh, nice. Virgins of Sherwood Forest. Hi, me. And it's about 50 of these, and then in amongst all of those, it's LA7. I bet you any money, all of those are better written than this. <laughs> Maybe it was Kim Fuller moonlighting. Yeah, mooning something. Um, yeah, and then we, they, they do a vox pop on the guy who found them in the woods and told them earlier. And he says... Um, uh, they they were brave, and he said, and they were cool. And then he looks right down the camera and goes, and pretty cute too. Thought, Who? Which one? The seven of them. <laughs> yeah, it, there's just there's no relationship established. No. He could fancy one of them. He could fancy all of them. Maybe that's why he went looking for them for no reason. He was expecting something. He could have been Ted Bundy. He could have gone out there looking for them on their own. <laughs> And now he's just covering it up. Yeah, of course, I was going to go and help them get some petrol. And they're all cute. Yeah, because when he appeared earlier, they were quite relieved, weren't they? But if it was me, I would have been 
Like, wait, what's this guy doing here? Yeah. Why has he followed us? Yes, me too. And he looks like and the nice boy next door who would definitely cut your head off and keep it on the mantelpiece for weeks. <laughs> and Yeah, that is a bit creepy the way he's like, they're pretty cute. And mm. It just doesn't make any sense. No. no. Again, there's too many of them. When there's seven of them, you can't say they're cute. It, it, it feels a bit groomy. <laughs> yeah. And the way this episode ends as well, the band are all like, oh, it's a shame we didn't get to meet your relatives, Paul. And Paul goes, oh, okay. It it wasn't Ridgeback Woods anyway. It was some other woods. So it was all for nothing, basically. Yeah. And he says, maybe we should go there. And they're all like, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And then Kim Fuller stands up and um, knocks on the door and says, I finished it now. Can I come out? (laughs) Uh... I mean... That's it, really. Any? Do you have any other final thoughts? Any sort of notes that we didn't get to? No, just that I hated it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, um, it was just—it's one of those things. I'm, I'm the wrong demographic, and was the wrong demographic at the time. Well, I would argue who was the demographic. For well, that—that that is a question in and of itself. But what I would argue is that um, having, as I say, sat through the Spice World movie and this, they've got the same low energy, low effort feel to them. Like you've got mm-hmm. this, you've got this thing that appeals to a, you know, young people that are, re- are really interested in it, and you've made the least possible fucking effort with it, and it's quite insult- mm-hmm. It's quite insulting, really. Yeah, and jokes about Rachel in the shower and yeah. that make it clear it's been written by a middle-aged man and yeah. the reference to Bradley saying, um, oh, in the next Bond film, I'm going to be snogging Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah, I didn't care for that <laughs> very much. Um, so I'm just, uh, yeah, I just it, just, it just makes me sad because, you know, people always, like I said earlier, people sort of say, oh, when you make a, a film with a band, it has to be like Hard Day's Night. But imagine if Hard Day's Night was like this, where it was just like zero fucking effort. And nobody had a particular <laughs> character, and the jokes are all horribly telegraphed. telegraphed and so it's just, it's just sad. I, I watched this, and I felt sad for them because if they had somebody who really cared about them and really put some effort into promoting them, they might have made it in America. They might have been even bigger. But it's again just the lowest, low rent um, execution of it that was just a bit sad and sorry. Yeah. These young people deserved better. They did. They did. Um, especially if they like rushed home. Imagine rushing home from school to watch this. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I remember. Yeah. But weirdly, when you're young, you don't really care. No. But but to be honest, my one of my lasting memories of this show is the thing with Hannah going into the bathroom and it's mm. massive inside. Mm. Like That's one of the few things about this show that I actually remember. Because I think it's maybe this, maybe the sort of thing where when you're little, you kind of, you think, you see a public bathroom and you're like, oh, maybe it's going to be massive on the inside, like like it was for Hannah. Yeah. So I think that somehow got into my head. But then the Blair Witch stuff was obviously completely lost yeah. on me when I was about 10 years old. But the bathroom bit is strangely the bit that really worked for me because I just thought that's really fun. And that's, that's monkeys-esque. The monkeys TV show used to have things like that in it where... Mm-hmm. magical realism happened and you should have more of that in this instead of trying to copy a, a 18 rated horror film <laughs> uh or you know scary film 
at the least. And um, it just it just feels like a waste of time and a way and, and, and a sort of a missed opportunity when they could have gone. Let's do more of that magic toilet stuff. Let's let's, let's have them going places and weird stuff happens, like they do in um, like they do now in shows like Community and things, where it just takes a left turn and you run with it. Whereas this is just boring. But as you say, yeah. uh, for a small child, as you as you yourself were, uh, it was probably fine. I'm a 43 <laughs> year old man, and this was my first exposure to it. <laughs> I'm sorry for exposing you to this. No, no, I'm sorry for um, being a 43-year-old man. <laughs> Hashtag not all 43-year-old men. Some probably really like it. So before we finish, mm-hmm. uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And would you like to sort of mention your many podcasts? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as uh, at Mr. Ken Shabby. Um, and I do SmashPod and I do all rather mysterious and i do a relatively new doctor who pod called a wheezing groaning sound for real 43 year old men thank you for listening to this episode of it's an s pod thing it was edited by alex blondek with music by william kitchener if you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one please subscribe and leave us a good review When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.